0: Welcome back to Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Levinsky on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn, and today we're going to be speaking about elder care. Not that long ago, people didn't live as long as they do now, and people would generally take care of their finances until the day they died. Now, however, it seems that people are living significantly longer, which obviously is a good thing, but the flip side of the coin is that they're often living these longer lives, not at 100% capacity, which means that sometimes older people don't have the ability to deal with their own finances as well as they did when they were younger. And this puts a big burden on their children. And Baruch, how does a person know when it's time to step in when their parents need help with their finances?
1: I think there's some telltale signs that you have to realize when your parents are having a hard time managing their checkbook, managing their bank account, when they don't know or you get the sense that they really don't know what's going on anymore or that you have doubts about whether they really are following what's going on with their finances. So then it's time to start asking some very serious questions and to start putting in some safeguards to avoid elder fraud, which is a tremendously, unfortunately, growing area.
0: What is that exactly?
1: In the financial world, right? Unfortunately, the financial world doesn't always have the best name, because there are a lot of people out there that are involved in financial fraud, whether it's contacting people and claiming that they are the IRS or, or Revenue Canada and trying to scam people out of giving over their details, whether it's, calling up and telling people that they've won a lottery and that they just need to transfer a small amount of the proceeds to a certain account as a processing fee and that they're going to get this large payout as a result. It could be that they're promising people services and then they don't actually provide those services. It's a whole industry out there and the elderly are really highly exposed to it because Sometimes they don't have anybody there that really can objectively look at at what the service or what the person is saying, And and they oftentimes sound very real, and they might get very concerned. If you got a phone call from the IRS... And the IRS is saying, we're going to, start, we're going to impound your, your, your vehicle, or we're going to close off your account if you don't do the following thing. So somebody can get very, very upset, and, and they can start making decisions that are based on emotion. And once you start doing that, you
0: open yourself up to exposure. Particularly for a parent, I assume, whose spouse perhaps has died and therefore doesn't have anybody to stop them from doing something foolish when the two of them might have been a team earlier in their lives.
1: Correct. And and oftentimes you might have one spouse who was the primary financial manager in the house, and the other spouse might now have to step in. I would say that in the majority of couples... The man is still the manager of the money. And if, again, we're looking stereotypically, the average couple has men that are older with a younger lifespan. So you have women who need to step into the their shoes at a certain point in time, and they might not be familiar, and they might need to to make those split-second decisions and they won't necessarily know that the IRS will never call you. They won't know these basic telltale signs that somebody who's been dealing with your finances for the last 50 years will know. And therefore, that's what it really exposes them. And it could be it's something that is related to the phone, meaning that the people are calling them up. It could be that somebody's like knocking on the door and is getting into their house and they're just not taking proper safeguards, right? People coming and knocking on the door and saying that there's a plumbing problem outside and they need to get into your house. And then when they're in your house, somebody who's elderly is not going to necessarily be able to protect themselves and, and
0: avoid a situation where they're either stolen or
1: actually even physically assaulted. And
0: obviously, fraud is an extreme case, unfortunately, that's becoming more common. At the same time, there are much simpler situations, as you said, balancing a checkbook or paying bills.
1: Correct. At a certain point in time, everyone, I think, needs to evaluate whether their parent, whether somebody that they know who's older is able to really successfully manage things by themselves. Because it's a natural event that takes place that people age and they don't have the cognitive abilities anymore to be able to do what they were once doing and managing a checkbook doesn't sound like the most complicated task on the one hand but managing your finances really can be complicated it can be complicated for people because they have multiple investments because they have income coming in from different sources because they're paying out to multiple vendors on a monthly basis for a whole wide range of services they might be upkeeping their home And so there is more complexity there than we really realize. And we have to take safeguards. People need to step in and say, is my parent really being protected? Are they being exposed? And it's just way too common out there that they get taken advantage of. Bank accounts get drained. And I'll I'll mention another element so that, that when you're dealing with home care, when you're dealing with people that are assisting on a physical level and they're now in that environment, it also opens up the elderly to exposure, because you have strangers, you have people who are helping them on a physical level, but they're not necessarily family members or people who you can trust and it really can expose people. So what
0: are some of those safeguards that people can take to protect their elderly parents?
1: At a certain point in time, you need to consider adding another person to an account or creating restrictions on the ability of a parent to write checks or to transfer money without having a second signature. Now, I know for a lot of people, this is a really dramatic step because a parent is going to view it as somebody's taking away their financial independence. What, I have to now come to you to like approve my expense? Why do I have to, like, I've never had to, like, you know, come to one of my children.
0: Well, simply a loss of autonomy also. Even if they understand it, it's not an easy thing to go through.
1: Not an easy thing. There are two things that are probably the most difficult for the elderly. One is giving up their driver's license, because that gives up that freedom to be able to go wherever they want to, whenever they want to, and giving up their ability to control their own checks, their own bank account, and, and all their expenses, but I think at a certain point in time, people really do need to breach the subject with their parent and to consider having them added to the account. It doesn't mean that you have to necessarily take away their credit cards and like like you know like, treat them like a child that, that you now have no financial independence, but you're just creating safeguards. It could be with certain banks that you can limit the exposure as well. You can say, if anyone ever would try to transfer more than $1,000 out of the account, then they have to contact a child to get a second approval. Which is a way of
0: not taking away their autonomy. They're still able to take out money. They can transfer money. But if it goes over a certain amount, it gets blocked. Correct. It's it's
1: basic safeguards that any company would use, for instance, while they'll have multiple signature approvals. They'll have people that need to approve different levels of transactions. So also at a certain point in time, you're going to do that within a family as well. And it's more and more important as people get older. And they just are not able to make those decisions by
0: themselves. Now, Baruch, tell me a little bit about this concept of the sandwich generation.
1: Okay, Scott. So it used to be people were able to focus on one or the other side of the age spectrum. They were either able to focus on raising their children and the financial challenges of raising them, putting them through school, marrying them off. And then only later, or at a different point in time, would they have to then deal with issues related to their parents. Now it's becoming more and more common, especially in the general society where people are getting married a little later or having kids later. And all of a sudden now they're not just dealing with raising their children, but they're also dealing with issues related to their parents. And caring for their elderly parents and there's the financial component to it but there's also just the pure time element as well which they have to juggle it becomes increasingly stressful I believe also for a family that's dealing with both sides of of the coin
0: and how does the family deal with that that's a lot of financial pressure when you're dealing with two generations and it's all up to you
1: yeah it is a lot of pressure it can have very special ramifications as well when a parent when the next generation, the older generation, hasn't done enough to save as well. If a, an older person has enough money available, so then it's a matter in many cases of, of just making sure that there's proper care, and even though there's a can be a tremendous amount of, of time pressure involved, running around and management being there, the management. Rest. But correct. it's not financial pressure in that But it's situation. not necessarily f- financial. But in today's day and age, There are more and more people who are retiring without large sums of money and haven't managed to put those sums of money away. Now they rely on their kids. And now they're starting to rely on their kids. They might have the basics, Social Security but they haven't really saved enough to remain completely financially independent and children are needing to step up.
0: What do you do in a situation like that? That's a very difficult situation. People weren't planning for that.
1: It can become very very taxing and the next generation needs to already start that coordination process. If you have siblings, other family members, they need to get together and think about it. I had a situation recently where I had an older couple who was living here in Israel and they had done everything for their children. They had put them through school and had married them off, and there's a lot of pressure in certain societies to try and really get the next generation on their feet. Financially. Financially, by putting money aside, by helping them buy an apartment. And this couple had done all of that for their children. They had done all that for their children, and now they had created a situation where they had nothing left. And they were living on literally like nothing, in a poverty level. And they were now having to go to their children to have them supplement their income because they didn't have enough money to actually get through the month. And even though they were trying to find different ways of making money, they really needed to go to their children. And it can create a lot of resentment if it's not done in the right way. It can create... In tension, both directions. In both directions, a hundred percent. Because from a parent's perspective, if they really need help and they've given everything that they have to their children, so then there's an expectation that the child is going to step up and help them. But they don't always do that. And, and the child also might think. And the child might also think, well, what? You didn't plan your whole life. You didn't like put away money. What do you? I, now I have to start putting away money not only for my children and trying to find a way to raise them, but also I now have to start supporting my parent. It can be very, very
0: difficult. So I assume the way to avoid that to the degree that it's avoidable, obviously there are certain societal pressures that aren't avoidable, but to the degree that it's avoidable is making a plan.
1: Yeah. Making a plan goes a long way to helping people. Keeping the lines of communication open as well between generations is really critical and and within the generation as well. What do you mean within the generation? Meaning the siblings themselves need to, in many cases, just make sure that they're talking and communicating and it might not be a, an equal balance. It might not be something that one can say, okay, everybody needs to put in X amount a month to be able to help because different people might be in different financial situations. But if you keep the lines of communication open and you make sure that things are being discussed And coordinated, it can go a long way towards smoothing out those bumps in the road.
0: Would you recommend talking to one's parents before this ever happens, meaning when parents are still able to manage their own finances, to suggest to them, there will come a time that hopefully it'll be in the distant future, but you won't necessarily be able to do all this. Let's talk about it now. Is that something one should broach with one's parents?
1: So usually it comes the other way. I find that parents at a certain point in time, unless they're incredibly secretive, Which There are a lot of people out there that when it comes to money do not like discussing finances, do not discuss money, do not discuss money with their children, and they won't do this, and they won't put a will together. They'll deny that that they are ever going to come to this situation where they need help or where they need to consider that, that they need to plan for that time when they're not going to be around or where they're not going to be able to finance. But I think that most of the time it actually comes that a parent will realize that they have to start letting the next generation into the picture. They have to start telling them about their finances and telling them what they can either expect or what they can not expect to receive or, on the other hand, what they might actually need to help with. And so it comes generally from that side uh, it comes less often from a child saying to their parent, you know, I don't want to know, do you have enough money saved? Or am I going to get a Yerusha? Am I going to get some kind of an inheritance Unless, of or course, the
0: parent is now not as mentally able to do what they once right. did. That's a different situation. So obviously. if they're
1: already at that situation, like we talked about earlier, with elder care and elder fraud, so then it's already at that point in time a child needs to really step forward and initiate that discussion and start talking about it and start understanding whether parents find are, because then they can initiate as opposed to being
0: reactive. So even though parents are usually those who start the conversation, would you recommend, despite the fact that it doesn't normally happen that way, that a child go to his parent and say, when it happens, I want to be there for you, so let's talk about this now?
1: Yeah, the more information that a child has, the more that a parent feels comfortable letting them in, the easier the process will be. And they can definitely be initiated. It has to be done in a very sensitive way. It's not easy for people to talk about finances, and it's not easy for multi-generations to talk about their finances.
0: Especially when talking about it's talking about the parents' needs or inabilities.
1: Being vulnerable is is never easy to admit. and, And even if one is just approaching and considering that possibility, that's a major step.
0: And it's not easy. Not easy at all. I'm sure a lot of people could use a lot of help in dealing with these issues. If they want to contact you, Baruch, how do they reach you?
1: Easiest way is through our website, www.labinski.com, or you can always reach us directly at the office, 972-2991-0029.
0: And remember, the Baruch Labinsky is also the author of A Financial Guide to Aliyah, and Life in Israel, which has lots of important information about these and other topics as well. Baruch, as always, thank you for being here today. You've been listening to Finessing Your Finances with Baruch Lubinsky on JewishCoffeeHouse.com. I'm Scott Kahn. See you next time. Make sure to subscribe to this and other great podcasts by going to JewishCoffeeHouse.com.